Hi, I'm Matt Ward, and welcome to episode 23 of the Running Industry Podcast. So we wanted to make also a shoe uh, that was, yes, a super shoe in as much as it's you get all of the benefits, the mechanical benefits, the high energy returning foams relevant for every runner, but also something that you could train and race in, not a throwaway product. So in today's Brand Spotlight podcast, I'll be talking to Pete Cable, Division Manager at Scott Sports a leader in development, manufacturing, sales and marketing of high-end cycling, winter sport, motorsport and running performance products. Scott USA was founded in 1958 by engineer and skier Ed Scott from Sun Valley, Idaho, who invented a ski pole made of aluminium which compared favourably with those made of bamboo or steel. On the basis of this success, the company started to produce many kinds of sporting goods, specialising initially in motocross and cycling. In the early 2000s, Scott contracted a research and development lab in Portland, Oregon to create a full line of high-performance running shoes and in 2006 launched its first running product. Innovation, technology and design is the company's very own mission statement and it can be found at the core of every product. And to underline this fact, Pete joins me from Scott's brand new state-of-the-art headquarters at Javisier in Switzerland. In case you hadn't heard, the Running Industry Podcast has now started a weekly news roundup every Tuesday with me, Matt Ward, in addition to our long-form in-conversation episodes and, of course, our new brand spotlight shows. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Run Industry on our website, runningindustrypodcast.com, where you can listen to all the previous episodes and subscribe to future ones. For now, though, on with this week's Brand Spotlight Show, as I talk to Pete Cable from Scott Sports. So, big thanks for joining me on the Running Industry Podcast today, Pete Cable from Scott Sports. Hi, Matt. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for joining me and uh, your busy day, no doubt, out there in uh, in Switzerland. Um, Before we get into today's Brand Spotlight on Scott specifically, you're the division manager and have been with the brand for seven years now. And previous to that, worked in the Salomon brand. Talk us through your role at the Scott brand and how that fits into the business. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And um, thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, so I've been with Scott a little over seven years. Um, The first year and a half of that, I was based still in the UK, where I'm I'm from. Uh, I grew up in North Wales. Um, and then more recently out here in, uh, in Switzerland at uh, our global HQ. So my background is really from, uh, from retail. Uh, I did the usual trick of uh, starting in uh, as a shop floor staff when I was 16 in North Wales, did, did A-levels, went to university, and then really just came back to that original passion that I had for, for, for sports retail, outdoor retail more in particular. And I worked my way kind of up through some retail positions, then worked for Salomon for, I think, around five years before joining Scott. Uh, Scott is a big global company, um, thousands of employees in the office here in Switzerland. We have around 350. Um, and as you alluded to, our, our heritage is very much um, bike uh, and winter sport. 
And so my position that I have today is a division manager. So I oversee product creation, the marketing, uh, and how we roll that out uh, to the markets. But I have a particular focus and more responsibilities around footwear. So I also fill the role as a, um, a product manager for footwear. So I'm really privileged and, um, and feel very lucky to be involved with that and, and heading up the team. Yeah, sounds really exciting, especially with your move to the new headquarters as well, Pete, which we'll get onto a bit later on. Um, Scott has been incredibly successful for decades in the sports of cycling and motocross, as you uh, mentioned there, along with winter sports. However, it's the running side of the business that we'd obviously like to explore and focus on today. In terms of the running brand histories, when we look at the likes of Nike, Adidas, who've been around for decades and decades, running is a relatively new thing for Scott. So how did that process come about? Yeah, so you're right. I mean, we started um, as a lot of these kind of maverick uh, inventor brands do kind of in the 50s and the 60s when, say, life was a little bit simpler. You could uh, make a product, sell it locally. And so Ed Scott was a sheet metal worker and he he started um, the brand by looking at bamboo poles and then rolling aluminium ski poles. And so you can say the brand was really started um, with a focus on, on innovation and more into the bike market as that kind of grew over over the last 30 or 40 years. And so there was a lot of synergies as a brand. We had a lot of customers who were skiing, ski touring, mountain biking, and they would also be running. I mean, it's maybe trail running has only really formalized itself as a, a more organized sport, especially in Europe in the last 10 to 15 years. But of course, you know, it's been... <laughs> It's the oldest sports, I guess, um, in, in those respects. So we knew that we had a lot of customers who knew about the brand and had an affection for what we were doing um, that were also runners. And so there was a, it made a lot of sense to, um, to be in that space. Um, in all honesty, it took also us as a brand a few years to figure out what that really looked like for us. And the first foray into running product for Scott, it was before my time, but was um, was in triathlon. I mean, the obvious connection there is that people are riding a Scott bike, um, get, getting off the bike in the tri and then stepping into a pair of, of Scott shoes. So a lot of the technologies that we have even today really come from that early start and really thinking about how does someone move efficiently if they have just spent a good, you know, an hour in the water, a couple of hours on the bike, if they're doing long, uh, long track uh, triathlon or Ironman as well. I mean, this kind of area, I, I guess the kind of the learnings that we made as a brand in that space were really that you don't need a, a necessarily a specific triathlon shoe. I mean, running is is running. There's some transition elements to, uh, that go on during the race. But, um, but actually, I think broadening our horizons which then kind of allowed us to focus and understand where where scott could be it led us really much more into into the trail running uh, which has become a little bit more of a natural home for us on the bike side of course we have a very robust road business but actually i think our our, our heart is really in in the mountains sure and so ski touring mountain biking and trail running while we also offer products outside of those those groups those are really where i think the passion lies within the company yeah, and that's a an interesting um, aspect, isn't it? Because obviously trail running in the last 10 to 12 years, you know, has certainly exploded globally. But as you say, it's been around in the US for decades and decades and decades, you know, with things like the Leadville and the, the hard rock races and so on and so forth. But I suppose when it comes to that brand recognition, Scott was on a really good footing when it launched into running due to its considerable force in, you know, as you said, in cycling and triathlon, for instance. With that also comes 
R&D expertise, I suppose, and of course, finances to back up the development. Do you think that was an advantage when it came to running products were envisaged or almost a disadvantage as the expectations were going to be really high? I never think it's a disadvantage to have knowledge uh, and finances to, to realize those products. But I don't think it's also as, as quite as easy as that. I mean, you have no right if you are a successful business in one area to, to move into another area and just replicate that success. I mean, you have to earn that right. So for sure, there is a certain amount of, uh, well, you're a business of a certain size. So if you make footwear, it must be successful. I mean, it's not as easy as that. You have to still do the hard work, the, create the right products, you know, and really earn your right in that marketplace. But of course, we can lean on the fact that we have good relationships in Asia with uh, trading partners, factories, um, logistics. Uh, we have a big sales distribution already in place and we have a lot of customers. But what I would say as a caveat to that is that although the, the end consumer a lot of the time will own a bike and a running shoe, they also they shop very differently. And selling running shoes in bike retail is, um, is even though the end consumer might still go to a bike shop to buy a bike, they, they want that choice and they want to be able to shop in a running environment. And I think that was also one of the early lessons that we as a, as a company had to learn to develop those relationships with the specific running community, you know, the athletes, the, uh, the event organizers, and more importantly, the, the running specific retail. And, and that takes some time, that, that takes some trust to learn and to trust each other how you're going to work. Yeah. And the company stands for innovation, technology and design at its heart. You'll know that the running brand industry has constant innovation as key driving force. And any brand that innovates is taken notice of, of course. How does Scott propose to bring those key pillars into its products? Well, I suppose you don't ever start out with a brand uh, slogan or, or, or identity right from the off. It's something also that over the last 60 years has, has developed at, at Scott. And so these kind of pillars of innovation, technology, design are something that actually grew organically within the company mindset. And actually, it comes from how we look to distribute our products. So we are very committed to physical retail. And there's a couple of business reasons for that rather than just being emotionally uh, connected. Of course, you know, we have fond memories of, of visiting retailers as kids and seeing all the, the fancy outdoor gear, ice axes, crampons, bikes or whatever. I mean, this is a nice experience that you have nostalgia around. But actually, from a business perspective, it's important to us because of the types of products and how we look to sell them. So, for example, bikes lend themselves very well to being sold in a physical space because they are expensive items that need to be fitted uh, and to spend a lot of time making that purchase. But with footwear, uh, for us as a brand, we are not set up for low margin, high quantity. This isn't our, our, how our business model is set. So we are looking to sell lower volumes, but to sell at full margin. And that means everybody through the value chain, so the retailer to us, to the factory, make a fair amount on the, the development rather than squeezing margins all the way down. And that means that the product has to have that value in it to the end consumer. So for us, that manifests itself as putting um, innovation technology design into the product. So making the best possible products that we can allow us to sell them at a higher price point, keeping the, the lack of discounting, shall we say, as we're distributed. So we are we have a presence online. We have a direct consumer site so that if you've bought a Scott shoe in the past, you can replace that shoe if you know what it is you're looking for. We do work with some quality online uh, retailers, um, but our main focus is 
uh, physical retail where the retailer can add the value by introducing the product, explaining the technologies. And we still think that they're, of course, it's ever-changing and it's been very difficult with COVID and the situation that shops are shutting. But what we are seeing is that even though a lot of shops had to shut their doors, that there's still a robust retail business to be had if it's done in the in the correct way. But that doesn't happen by making, um, shall we say, to kind of cheap copy uh, product. It, it really only happens if you add value to the product. And so th- that's why we focus on it. Of course, we are um, an engineering company at heart from the bikes that we make, uh, the skis that we make and the running product that we make. But um, but actually, there's a business reason for for making making the product with so much kind of focus on being innovative and uh, and having kind of um, technologies that warrant the, the price points that we ask for our products. I guess also that comes from the fact that, you know, you don't want to damage the Scott brand, right, by bringing in a new sector when after those, you know, 60 years of hard work in establishing this high-end product brand and then just going, I know we'll get a Me Too Chinese shoe, We'll put a Scott logo on it and off we go. We're going to take on the world. Um, that's not the way you work, obviously. I arrived at Scott the same year that Nino Schertel won the uh, the Olympic gold medal on the the new Spark, um, which is our kind of high end uh, carbon bike. So I'm, mm. I'm acutely aware of the uh, of the importance uh, of the brand image. Nothing goes out the door unless it's uh, it's kind of in line with that uh, that that brand ethos. It influences everything we do, every decision we make when we are choosing materials, um, looking at designs. You know, everything is done through that that lens of is this really what we the best that we can do for the end consumer's uh, use of the product. Moving on to that, from what I've seen, Pete Scott has expanded its running range over the last couple of years. Talk us through the product range and where the emphasis is in terms of trail and road running product. Yeah, so when we um, when I joined Scott. Just over six years ago, we had uh, initially outsourced um, some of the, the design and development work. I joined because the, the brand, for a few reasons, decided that that relationship wasn't working and they wanted to bring it back in-house. And so I was tasked with really bringing the whole operation of design, development, um, and then production um, back into, um, if you like, under the, the, the Scott roof. And, and that allows us to really identify with the, the brand characteristics, which we've, we've already discussed. But then it was a case of, OK, so what does this collection um, look like? And as again, you know, as we discussed previously, there had been some triathlon focus. But I think on trail, there were two real reasons for, for trail running. The first was we felt that this was the area of the running market that allowed us to experiment and explore technologies the most. Um, the shoes go through an awful lot of uh, of abuse, a trail shoe versus a road shoe. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of um, challenges on the product, um, you know, from the outsole, um, the ride of the shoe, the durability, the protection. So there's a lot of areas for us to play with. Um, of course, what we don't want to do at Scott is to make lifestyle product where we have less opportunity for technology and, uh, and innovation. So we want to be if you like, at the, in the hardest area of the market, because that's where we can showcase what we do. Um, and secondly, there are less players. There's less barriers to entry, if we're, we're honest. The trail market represents roughly around 10% of the, uh, of the general running market. And the consumers are, in general, slightly more 
informed. They'd spend a little longer doing the sports, especially ultra runners in trail. They uh, they like to research and, and understand new brands. So for a an emerging brand, there, there are less barriers to entry, if you like. But really, it came from the area of, well, what kind of product did we want to make? And, and this looked like the area that we could do the most um, interesting products in. With that in mind, we, um, we of course, started to work with athletes. Uh, and so the, the first idea was really to create an athlete package, something that would allow um, the trail and ultra distance uh, athletes to have everything that they need. So very quickly in the first few seasons, we created an apparel collection, packs, poles. Um, we lent on the experience that we have in-house for all of these different product groups to be able to come with two or three shoes um, and apparel collection that had waterproofs, had um, full tights, winter running gear, you know, really the, the kind of the, the essential kit list of, a, of an elite athlete. And that now is starting to filter through to a more performance line where we say, OK, you maybe you don't stand on the race line wanting to wear the very specific uh, race day jersey. Um, but of course, you know, anybody who's still spending multiple hours in the mountains needs to have technical products. So we spent a lot of time in marketing, pushing the black and yellow colorways that you you now see as kind of identifiable with our athletes. But now you can also buy that 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 product also in, uh, should we say, more commercial colors. So the kind of the technologies are still there, but it's available to um, to people who don't necessarily want to be in the, in, in the, if you like, the football jersey colors of, uh, of the race day. Uh, and that's why the collection has um, has expanded slightly over the last year or two as we start to introduce additional colorways and also just bringing that technology down to um, price points, but also with some relevance also for, for different styles of, uh, of runners. And just to highlight, so you've got things like the Supertrack, um, I know in the range, but you've also got um, a road line in there that people can obviously access to, to, to complement that in a way. What is the emphasis, you know, more on the trail than the road or is there kind of like, is there an ambition to develop them in line, if that makes sense? Yeah, so we really, um, of course, like like any brand, as you start, you really need to explain to people what does your brand start stand for, what is your product about, and so we um, we started at the very top of the mountain. And I mean, I come from the UK, so when we talk about mountain running, we tend to think about fell running, um, but in Europe, we, we we think about it slightly differently, and it, it, it's called sky running. But it's essentially the same thing. It's, you know, start at the valley bottom and and run to the top and back. And this is really where the, you know, the real rough stuff is, um, the danger is, you know, you're running along exposed ridges. Um, And it also happened that we had some athletes, people like Marco de Gasperi, five times mountain running world champion, people like this involved with the brand so useful not only for telling stories and helping with marketing but also helping to influence when you have these real elite personalities who have really pushed the boundaries of the sport so the first trail shoe that we created actually or the first proper trail shoe that was successful for us was the Kinabalu and this was because Marco was racing the Kinabalu Climathon which 10 years ago was one of the the first kind of international trail races and he was running it in a in in a road one of our road shoes because he liked the the profile of the shoe and just requested an outsole and then we took it a step further and started to look at sky running and here you see the dynamic movements of the runner is really different to a traditional 
how a traditional running shoe is built. I mean, most running shoes are built for running in straight lines um, because this is kind of where they come from, from road running. Whereas sky runners, a little bit like fell runners, they're moving left and right as much as they're moving forward. So they're really picking their way down, switchbacks, moving across uneven terrain. So we started with a, a white piece of paper and we said, Let, let's forget everything that we know about a traditional running shoe, but let's really focus on what is the dynamic movement of somebody running in real rough high terrain uh, and this kind of movement of side to side led us to look at other sports where there was perhaps a similar movements and here we saw things like tennis and squash and even football to a certain extent where people were running changing direction very dynamically moving left to right and so we borrowed some of the uh, the rationale there with a, what has become our radial traction outsole but that same thought process that we used to think about how is this person moving and what is it that is their requirement, it then starts to filter down to a UTMB 100 mile shoe where you're running much more in straight lines, but still with you know, other requirements of protection and durability. And of course, it still also then influences how we think about road shoes as well and to, to not take the, the status quo um, but actually to always do the due diligence and start at the beginning of the process and really think about what is it that we're, we're trying to do for the runner. You're listening to the Running Industry Podcast Brand Spotlight Show with me, Matt Ward, and I'm talking to Pete Cable from Scott Sports. Remember, we've also got a Patreon page, so if you want to help us along the way, we'd be really grateful of any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com. Reviews and ratings also help the podcast, so it would be amazing if you could give us a little review or a rating. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I don't suppose we can talk about footwear these days, Pete, without talking about carbon fibre. Um, Rochi brands are fully committed to using carbon in the sole of their shoes these days, mainly in the lightweight racing shoes at this point, it has to be said. However, we are now seeing brands such as the North Face using carbon in their trail running shoes. For Scott, carbon fibre is something that has been used in cycling products for decades now, so you'd be presumably highly skilled in its application. Do you think this is something that will feature in your running footwear going forward? It's something that's featured in our running footwear uh, a decade ago. We actually made a carbon shoe um, over t- over 10 years ago called the Makani. Wow. It was one of the first uh, first ever Scott Scott products and arguably it was uh it was too soon because uh, the carbon shoe game or the, the super shoe game as we we think about it is really two two elements and one is the um, the plate which has a kinematic uh, or a mechanical benefit to the runner um, but in order to make that comfortable um, for longer distances, of course, you need a foam. And previous to the last three to four years, uh, that foaming technology didn't um, didn't exist in such a lightweight energy responsive so it's almost like the foaming technology had to catch up with the theory okay the theory for for carbon plated shoes of course is is something that's been around for decades I mean, we've had track spikes which are essentially carbon shoes as we know them but without the cushioning that you could run shorter distances for most athletes that was a half hour 10k would be the longest that they would run on on a cushioned track but to then transfer that kind of technology into something that could be run on the road required uh, the use of foam. And that that lightweight foam uh, was something there was a technology that wasn't available necessarily 10 years ago when Scott first came out with the Makani. So it's an area that we've always been aware of. And we focused very much in the in the previous five or six years on trail because 
for the reasons that I explained. But we always have an affinity with road as we do on our, our bike business. So we still think that there is a relevance for, for Scott on the road. Again, what was important is that we didn't uh, rush this process. And I'm sure we'll talk about our no shortcuts philosophy at Scott. Um, what feeds into everything I said about our business model of just bringing a product quickly that is a um, just to get to market in a certain time frame doesn't do the process correctly. So we started almost four years ago we started um, a research project into um, the technology. It was very important for us to understand exactly what it was doing. Is it worth putting a plate in a shoe in the first place? What is it actually doing? And understanding the full kinematics, so the, the, the mechanical benefits of the, of, of the technology. And what was interesting for us to find out is that something quite obvious, every runner is different. And not only is every runner different from their weight to their running style, but actually how you run changes. So we know from research that, uh, for example, at Boston Marathon, there was a re uh, uh, some research done and you found out that a certain percentage of runners starting as forefoot runners and the, the dynamic hugely shifts by the time you get to the finishing line as, as fatigue sets in and people start changing. So a shoe that is optimized for you at the start line will be not irrelevant, but will be less optimized by the time you get to the finishing line. And so what was quite obvious to us was that the shoe needs to have a dynamic nature to it. So for the end consumer, that could mean that we make 100 different versions and everybody is split by gender, by running style, by weight, and you make a million products for these diff all these different styles. That's a big problem. That's a big problem. So the other flip side to that is you need a product a single product that changes its characteristics depending on how you run and your weight and when you where you are in the race uh, and your running style and that created a an equally big problem but actually something that we were better equipped to answer because we have a long history with carbon fiber we have a lot of expertise and um, one of our partners uh, a company called Carpitex who are US based um, carbon experts they have a really interesting technology called DFX. So it's a dynamic flex plate. And this plate stiffens uh, as you increase the force. So therefore, for a light runner who is running very lightly on their feet, uh, the, shoe, the, the plate is less stiff. Uh, for a heavier runner who's really crashing into the ground, the plate stiffens up. And therefore, we can tune this plate to be relevant for each type of runner. So it's really the second generation of uh, super shoes, which are more intelligent, um, that are more relevant for every type of runner. And this, of course, can then have applications much more widely uh, into other areas like trail and triathlon or, or, or wherever. But it's really understanding that first characteristic of what it what is the shoe actually doing? Just putting a plate in for the sake of it, of course, is um, is not the way to do it. And then the other big area which was concerning us, um, which I'm sure we will touch on, is sustainability. Um, and one of the problems with very lightweight foams with high energy return is, is the durability. And I think this is a, a kind of a almost an undiscussed topic uh, that if you speak to the retailers, they're very aware of it. But we also wanted to make a shoe that was fit for purpose. This is a, forms a large part of our sustainability pledge. It's one thing to use a recycled material or a bio-based material, but if it doesn't last, um, you wipe out a lot of the 
the benefits that you had by using that material if it then only lasts a fifth of the time that it should do. So we wanted to make also a shoe uh, that was, yes, a super shoe in as much as it's you get all of the benefits, the mechanical benefits, the high energy returning foams relevant for every runner, but also something that you could train and race in um, and not something that was kind of a throwaway product uh, for, for, for one off. So it took some time to get there. And that's kind of our no shortcuts pledge. We're not the first to market with different technologies, but we believe that by taking our time, we've come to market or we will come to market in the next few months with something that is, is if you like, the second generation. Mm. Uh, and we, for us as a brand, that is, is more important than being, being quick to market. Yeah. Yeah. So can you um, give us a little bit of an exclusive then, Pete? And the question is, have you got a carbon product coming? Yeah, well, all of that, all of that said, yeah, yeah, we do. We have something that will be out um, in time for the easing of the lockdown. I guess is the uh, is the time. So yeah, we hope really, um, you know, once racing starts, that you'll be able to do that with a uh, a Scott uh, a Scott racing product on the road. Awesome, looking forward to that. So that's going to be a summer launch, presumably, which is a uh, mm-hmm. yeah exciting stuff and um presumably people can find out more about this we'll give you the uh, in all the show notes we'll see all the links and uh, any of the interesting other marketing bits around that and a big strap line for anyone who follows any of your athletes and from your sports marketing you know that no shortcuts strap line is something that really comes through quite strongly um has done for the last couple of years now talk us through how important it is for your athletes and ambassadors who are telling that story and how you apply the no shortcuts ethos in the sports marketing through those runners yeah it really has two it has two kind of sides to it no shortcuts i mean of course again it comes down to being able to explain to uh, the con- you know the, the consumer in the market you know who you are and what what influences you and and so we wanted to find something that encompassed um this philosophy of product you know the no shortcuts if you like means you know doing things for the right reasons in the right way and that means taking our time with product development um releasing things when they're really ready rather than onto a predetermined um time frame and that of course is just so relevant for athletes because um yeah, without sounding uh, you know cheesy, there, there are no shortcuts to, to performance. I mean, especially in endurance sports. I mean, you got to do the miles, you got to do put the time in, you got to put the uh, the effort in, and it's um it, it's a it's a it's a you know race day is an accumulation of all the training days, um and so actually the two things are really um are really in sync. So you know um we make no bones about it. We you know no pretense to to you know if you want to get good at endurance sport, you've got to invest in it. Um, and I think um, I think that resonates with people. I think you know people who who are into running and into biking and and these sports they uh, they understand that uh, and they they connect with it as as something that it's not a quick fix. Um, it's about getting up every morning and doing the hard yards. And so, um, so it really just, it, you know, it, it just kind of acknowledges that relationship and that, that dynamic. Earlier on, we touched on sustainability, Pete, and how it's becoming more prominent in product manufacturing for brands these days. And it's going to become even more so in the future. What does Scott do in this field? The, the, the first thing to kind of really acknowledge with sustainability is that it's a, um, it's a joint responsibility. 
you know, it's no surprise that brands make products to sell and to make a profit. Uh, and therefore, we are led in some respects by the market. And so if products stop selling, brands will change them. And if certain products start selling well, brands will make more of them. Um, and so, yes, the brands have a responsibility to um, to lead and to innovate and to, to find new technologies and to do things responsibly. But also as consumers with not just running shoes, but everything, we have a responsibility also to shop and buy in the right way. Um, so I think it's a collective journey. It, 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 like a lot of these things, it's a big juggernaut to turn around. So it will. we have to acknowledge that it will take some time because first of all, we have to wait for the technology to be invented. Um, and then secondly, we have to kind of have the acceptance in the marketplace and people to start buying those. But I think in that respect, you know, things are moving quickly. There is a, a big... Uh, shift towards people looking for sustainable products. But a, an interesting piece of research that I think um, Runners World did recently in, in the German market found that um, one of the key things that people said was they were happy to shop and pay more, but they wanted the product to not have any lack of function. So give nothing on the functionality of the product, but have it done in a sustainable way. And I think this is um, is a really important point for us at uh, at Scott, because if we say that a normal running shoe can last 500 miles on average and we make it with recycled materials and it lasts 100 miles, so therefore you need five of the shoes to the one, you know, shall we say, from virgin material. Is this really a more sustainable way, given that those shoes are produced in Asia, shipped halfway around the world to the end consumer, probably sold via an online retailer who then puts it in a box and sends it to an individual address. Mm. This will create uh, a footprint. And so it's it's not as simple. And unfortunately, it would be lovely if it was, but it's not as simple as just saying we buy every recycled material, bio-based material that is available on the market and start producing products. And this will have less impact. So it's a commitment that we have at Scott. We call it Resource by Scott. And we take a very mathematical, engineering, scientific approach uh, to it to say, is this something that is really better than what we're already doing? Uh, and in the very short term, our, our commitment is really to make products that last. Actually, the single most beneficial thing we can do for the, the environment is to consume less. This obviously fights completely at odds with making a profit because you want to sell more. Whereas we are quite uh, lucky as a company that we are looking at higher price items with full margin. Uh, and so for us to say we make something that really lasts and can be used fit for purpose, uh, and we would also, in that relationship with our end consumers, encourage them to to really think about using the product as much as possible. Mm. Then, of course, as a brand, it, we take full responsibility for you know innovating, looking for the best possible solutions. And it's a work in progress. I mean, I don't think anybody can say they've they've cracked it. So yeah, absolutely fascinating. And um, yeah, that's an answer that, I mean, there's no correct answer is it, Pete, let's be honest. Nobody's got the silver bullet, as it were, to actually say that, yes, we've cracked sustainability. And actually, if you think about it in the running and the outdoor industry, we're actually contributing less to a footprint anyway, because we're keeping people hopefully healthier, living longer, needing less less treatment in medical services, etc. So actually, there's all of that, isn't there, that, that you know, we need to take into consideration as well. We're in March 2021, Pete. Um, I'm here in the UK and you're based out in beautiful Switzerland. 2020 was an incredible year, of course, for many brands in the sports industry and even more so for the Scott brand as it saw you move to your new global HQ in Givisier. 
How has that transition been when so many people were forced to work from home instead of bedding into a new location, you know, working in that eco-culture and lots of people all sharing ideas in normal times? How's that been then in the last 12 months in your new HQ and your new way of working, should we call it? Yeah, I'm a little bit sad to say that, um, you know, staring at a computer screen on Zoom has somehow almost become normal. I mean, of course, you know, this, you know, there are... um, bigger problems in the world than us trying to run Scott Sports uh, digitally. Um, and uh, we're always very mindful that um, that uh, we're incredibly lucky and we have, a, you know, beautiful environments just out, out, outside our doorstep. So um, there is very little to complain about. Of course, we have to change as a business. And uh, you're right, we built a brand new facility that could house uh, up to nearly 500 people. Um, with one thing in mind, that the idea was it was a people space. So all of the spaces, cafeteria, meeting rooms, presentation rooms were all built with people in mind. You know, and of course, then we had to switch to digital platforms um, and use these in a, in a certain way. And this does take a certain amount of adjustment, especially when you're working on uh, product because you want to be able to hold it, you want to be able to point to things, you want to, you know, explain to someone that the foam is too soft or too hard, and you want to be able to hold it in your hand. And doing that digitally has some limitations. So, you know, there are some challenges, but also I would say I think uh, you know as a global population, it's it just shows human ingenuity. I mean, if somebody had said to you 15 months ago that we'd be the world would keep turning if everybody had to stay at home, you, you just wouldn't have believed it. It's just a shame that we have to get forced to make these adaptions sometimes. Wouldn't it be great if we could do some of these things like, you know, climate change and sustainability, if we could do these without having a, a crisis on our doorstep? Yes, some challenges, um, but uh, but nothing that's insurmountable. And honestly, the main thing is people are still out running. Um, time's racing on, Pete, as ever. And uh, I've had a great chat. It's been really, really insightful. Just moving on to a final question. When it comes to the future direction of running products at Scott, what can you tell us about the future direction over the next few years? Yeah, I mean, it's been a big topic that we covered, but uh, I I think sustainability. I mean, I think, you know, of course, brands will want to um, show new technologies and and, and kind of stay at the forefront. Um, Trail running will continue to grow. People are looking for these more, um, you know, nature, natural environments to, to spend time in. So I think, you know, we hope, Scott, that um, the trail running will continue to to blossom and uh, and to grow as an industry. But I think it's all got to be done in a responsible way. And I think we have to move away from um, fast fashion, it has some influence on uh, on the running industry. Even the specialist uh, technical product has some is influenced in some way by this kind of consumerism. And we have to find a way to be able to bring products, make money. Of course, I mean that's why the brands are in it. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, technical innovation will continue. Um, and I hope that we find a way to do that. And we use a lot of the energy and a lot of the know-how that we have in creating new technologies. But we, we do them in a responsible way. Absolutely fascinating. And I think with people like yourself, Pete, there at the global headquarters of Scott Sports, but also just with that kind of ethos within the industry, I think we're on a, a good trajectory, should we call it. It'd be great to see what's happening over the next few years. I'll keep my eye on what you're doing, of course, and the Scott Sports brand. I'm really grateful for your time today, Pete. Thanks ever so much for joining me on the Running Industry Podcast and uh, best of luck in the future. Thanks, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. So that's it for another Running Industry Podcast and our brand spotlight. 
on Scott Sports. And our best wishes to Pete and all of the Scott team for 2021 and beyond. I'm grateful as ever to everyone who tunes into the show. And over the coming weeks, we've got some amazing guests from ultra running greats to coaches and brand owners. Thanks as ever for listening. And remember that reviews and ratings always help the running industry podcast in gaining exposure. So it would be great if you could give us a rating and a review. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on social media via at Run Industry. A quick mention again that we'd be really grateful for any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com where you can catch all of the episodes of the show. Keep listening, keep spreading the word and we'll keep making the podcast. I'm Matt Ward and the Running Industry Podcast is a supersonic production. Thanks for listening and until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye.